0: This is EdTech Weekly. It's episode 72. I am your host, Ricky Zager. We're glad to be back in tonight's show. Workbench raises some serious coin, some cyber hygiene tips, not sure what that is, data analysis. And now that we have all this EdTech, what are we going to do with it? Christy, we have been off, let's just say a while. For me, hurricanes, hospital trips, and conferences. Oh my, how about you? Any big news on your end during my absence and our absence?
1: Well, certainly not as big as your end and all the hurricanes and weather that you've had out in Florida. But, you know, I do think we were trending on Twitter. You know, I think you guys saw a hashtag bring back EdTech Weekly. So glad we're back and we, we can bring it back for our fans.
0: Yes, bring back EdTech Weekly it was definitely trending. It might have been a dream we <laughs> had, but it was trending somewhere along the way. So that's awesome. But we do have some really big news Um as a show, and it's something I'm really proud of and really happy about it, it's a major accomplishment. We've talked about it happening sometime in the future for a while, and it actually happened while we were going on our break. We went over 10,000 downloads.
1: Woohoo! 10,000. Oh, my gosh. That's pretty that's crazy, right?
0: Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So, um, you know, from sitting in my room talking to my buddy Matt one day saying, hey, I'd kind of like to do this podcast thing to uh, having 10,000 downloads, uh, yeah, that's something to be proud of. I'm sure there's a lot of podcasts with many, many more than that, but hey, we're going to be proud and we're going to be happy and we'll celebrate. And we got in our featured segment, we're going to talk about one of the ways that we're going to uh, reach out to our fans and uh, just stick around for the end and you'll uh, learn more. As always, yeah, as always, uh, we start with the EdTech Rundown. The Baltimore Sun reports that Workbench, formerly Quist, SeaWist, I'm not sure, has just raised $1.7 million from Brown funding in a recent $2 million round of funding. Uh, This brings the total funding of Workbench to $5 million. Uh, so much money going around for EdTech, it's crazy. Workbench allows teachers to build experimental learning, they say, including programming a robot to demonstrate some math equations through movements and some other things. Apparently, Brown Funding was ultimately very impressed with how quickly Workbench got to 10,000 schools around the world and had them sign up. Now, impressed to the tune of $1.7 million, let's not forget. Project-based learning is basically what it really is, and it's available at workbenchplatform.com. I just went on it for a little bit. I easily signed in with a Google account. Uh, had access to lessons without paying. I'm not really sure what the tier is or if there's a tier, but I was able to get on and look at some lessons, and it seemed pretty cool, step-by-step ways to do some of these uh, project-based learning. So, I don't know, Christy, have you had any experience with this or heard about this?
1: Well, Ricky, what I really like about doing this show with you is that I get to learn about some of these cool things. I hadn't heard about this, and I did go check it out online. And it just looks really cool. There are a variety of projects for a variety of subjects for all grade levels. And I think it's pretty great that it links to Google Classroom. So this looks like a place to go to to get ideas for project-based learning uh, broken down into easy step-by-step lessons that students can progress through independently or better yet, sometimes in small groups. I like that it takes what you already have, whether it's, Spheros, or even just duct tape and paper and helps you design project-based learning for it. Um, the Google Classroom link was huge for me as well as the login or link to Clever. how that student account management is really helpful. So thanks for bringing that story. I think that looks pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, in a short period of time that I looked at it, it I was more impressed with that than I have been in, in almost any other ed tech tool that I've just checked out quickly. So I think it's definitely something worth a look.
1: Yeah, definitely piqued my interest. So next, EdTech Magazine gives us three cyber hygiene, that's right, cyber hygiene, tips for K-12 end users. Based on the article, it sounds like cyber hygiene is a way to describe some continual habits that will keep your cyber world clean and free from viruses or other cyber attacks. The tips are starting with digital citizenship training, being aware of phishing attempts, and consistently backing up and updating. They specifically mention how Google Doc sharing is a way that phishing attacks operate in K-12, and uh, this is so important. And funny that you mentioned the Google Google Doc phishing attack that actually got to our district and was spread by clicking on a shared Google Doc. I think we've got all gotten pretty comfortable with Google and at ease with Google's access to our digital life, but this is important to remember that we still have to be careful.
0: Yeah, and that's Ricky. Yeah, I mean, my big thing is, you know, the fishing thing. And it's like... We just have to be super diligent because we end up in this world where things sort of make sense that we do, and we just continue to do them without really thinking about it. Uh, Specifically, oh, somebody shared me a document. Okay, I know that that's probably something I need to look at. Before we even really look at, let's inspect the address. Let's inspect where it came from. let's, Let's read everything else. A lot of times, that's how phishing happens. We don't get into the details. And I heard of recently a report from Amazon, a phishing attempt that's going on. And where it ends up sending you something like right after you make an Amazon order, uh, it's it basically sends you something. Oh, your credit card needs to be uh, updated, and just click this link. And it looks it looks very official. It looks like Amazon, but again, it's a phishing attempt, and it is it looks like Amazon. So you know the only thing that we can say is be diligent and never let your guard down. Always be thinking about anytime you click on something. Just look for kind of unusual things about it, especially with those Google Doc type things. But when it comes to emails about going and changing something in your account, leave your email client, go to the official URL, log in that way, and then it will prompt you from there if it really actually needs something. It's really dangerous to click links, um, even if it looks official. And let me just tell you, it's only going to get more official. So stay diligent with that for sure.
1: Yeah, good tips, Ricky. Well, thank you.
0: Um, Our next story, another EdTech magazine article gives us a couple ways that K-12 can use data more efficiently and effectively. They mention that states and schools should be removing the silos that they have with data and share it. And while also ensuring the data that is shared is high quality, they actually give some examples of data that's considered high quality. And a lot of it to me when I read it is about sort of like teacher – tying teachers to classes and students – And, you know, I I don't really know for sure, but it feels like to me that that is almost like an evaluation technique for teachers. Now, maybe that's not what they're using it for, but coming from a big school district, that kind of data looks to me like, here's what we're going to use our algorithm to decide whether a teacher is effective or not, or not. So I I don't know that that's necessarily what the intention is in this article, but, you know, it is high quality data for sure. Um, What scares me is how we use it, and then what scares me is, are we looking at what true high quality data is. I think the true power of data in education is helping students receive the most beneficial learning software they can and how to interact with it and getting the best that they can get. And you know, if we can get anonymous data that's high quality and share that so that we know this type of student is going to be more successful with this type of software or program, I I wish that we would be focusing there. And I I know that data collection is one of those things that is really tough right now you know they mentioned the silos and what type of data are we collecting and how are we sharing it all those things are things that have to be resolved but uh, let's not lose focus about the importance of just students here Um, I'm not saying it's not important to track teachers and other things like that but I feel like we might be missing the ball with this
1: yeah, you know, when I read that article, I definitely had some problems and some concerns with it. I agreed with you on many of those things um, that you just shared. And specifically, this article does talk about using data to evaluate teacher effectiveness, which is then linked to teacher preparation programs. I thought that that was interesting of how we can use that data to better prepare our teachers. Um, but there is so much that goes into being an effective teacher. I'm not sure it can be captured in one data point. And so what would that data point even be? Is it just test scores? And surely there's more that determines an effective teacher than test scores. Let's in hope. California, this in California, the state has revamped the school accountability system, shifting away from one number that determines whether you are a good school or a bad school um, to what they call a data dashboard. They use this, there's multiple data points on this dashboard and schools are color coded based on levels of proficiency and progress over time. So you wanna be either blue or green, you definitely don't want to be a red or an orange. Um, So they have multiple data points, including um, test scores, attendance, suspension rates, implementation of state standards. I wish it were as easy as the article makes it seem but i do think it's far more complex
0: yeah absolutely and when you talk about evaluation of teachers it makes it really tough um i like to hear that you have at least attendance being accounted for um i know that that was one of the things that when i was a teacher they put this thing into place that had It either had no account for that or they couldn't explain how it accounted um they gave us this formula i'll have to i don't know it might be proprietary i might not be able to tweet it out but i'll have to at least send it to you for you to look at it it is the most ridiculous uh, math problem formula you've ever seen and it's like how is this possible that this comes up with a number that's supposed to rank teachers so i think data especially for educators can be a scary thing but I mean, if we could just focus it on using anonymous student data and help it guide instruction for those students, that that would make me happy, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, next up, a Niblets.com story asks, we've got all this new ed tech, now what? Those f- familiar with the ADDIE, ADDIE model are a step ahead, but they have provided an infograph to help, t- to help see the continuous improvement inherent in this process. For those unfamiliar... ADDIE is Analyze, Design, Develop, Implement, and Evaluate. This is certainly not new information if you are an instructional designer. You likely had to talk about this in your job interview. But it does put an emphasis on having a purpose and plan and choosing EdTech to fulfill those things. This story is timeless because there is always going to be all this new EdTech and the successful schools, districts, and states will have a model to ensure they are getting the results they want. ADDIE, A-D-D-I-E, could be that model or at least a part of it.
0: Yeah, and I can, you know, guilty as charged, instructional designer. And yes, in my interview, I did have to talk about the ADDIE process, even though it was clear that the people hiring me were not interested in it really, but it was just one of those things that sort of a talking point that has to be on there if you're an instructional design. So if you're one of those designers, you probably Mm -hmm. are familiar with that at least at least in the, the scholarly world of what we do. Um, in practice, yes, the overall concept is good, but um, it's a little too structured in some ways to really be that useful. But the overall message, I think, is good. You should always go into this process thinking ahead, um, designing it, developing, especially when we talk about like teacher training and those types of things. And then, of course, evaluating. Is it doing what you want? So, I mean, it's not a terrible thing. I think it's a good thing. But I just, I hate... Anything where we sort of put ourselves into this, oh, this is the way that we solve this problem. It's a living, breathing situation, and it's going to change. But I do think some of these principles should be involved in your overall sort of uh, way to get, I mean.
1: I hadn't heard about that. I'm not an instructional designer, so, you know, good protocol to follow.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely, I think it's one of those things where, you know, if you're in a job and there's a a phrase or a word or a, you know, whatever that is continually used over and over again. It sort of loses its meaning and then therefore it becomes less valuable. And I think that's sort of the instructional design world. I think it's you're sort of taught about this when you're in school for it and, and it, just, it just continues to sort of rear its way. And you don't think about that as the process when you're designing really. I mean, I guess if you break it down, you probably do many of those things, but it's not quite just this. Here's what you do every time. And that's the only thing that scares me about any model is that it shouldn't be, this is always how it goes, because that may not serve the purpose that you're looking for. But definitely a good thing to think about. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Okay. I agree with myself. Do you agree with me?
1: I agree with you. <laughs>
0: good. I usually agree with myself. So I'm glad somebody else is agreeing <laughs> with me. All right. So for everyone, let's. Uh, if you want to be in touch with the show, remember edtechweekly at gmail.com. Remember we still got this new segment. I know the new segment came out and then we were gone for a while, but we're still doing EdTech going down in your town. Go win down. Go win. With a sky comma after the end. Sky comma? Got it. Do sky you, comma. Yeah, have you there's I can't remember the guy's name now as a comedian does a whole bit, but anyway, yes. Instead of the G, let's move on. Subreddit subreddit edtechweekly.reddit.com. We put the stories there, and we'd love to get a system where you guys vote those up, and that's what we talk about on the show, but I am putting the stories in there, so please check that one out. And, of course, we'd love a review on iTunes. Uh, We have a few out there, and we'd like more. It really just helps get more people to see the show. Um, And, uh, listen, if you listen to the show, you'd probably appreciate other people listening as well. Build a community, and uh, I'll tweet out that link this week. So do, if you have a minute, take you know, take that minute and help out the show. And so that actually leads me perfectly into our 10,000 download little rewards setter, the system that we got set up here. I wanted to reward our fans. I know some of you have been with us for a long time, uh, Christy included, but now she's a part of the show, so it doesn't count. Um, I mean, it counts, but you know what I mean, Christy.
1: Well, can I download it and be the 10,000th 10, 10, winner? Can well, I, am I eligible we're, for this? We're already,
0: well, we're already a couple hundred over 10,000. So, okay. we, yeah, that that has passed. And, and there's no way for me to tell the exact person who's downloaded it. So it's not going to work that way. Mm-hmm. But what I want to do is, on Twitter, I'm going to put it out there. And um, many of you follow me on Twitter. I know that based on when I spend time on Twitter. So um, I'm going to put it out there on Twitter. What I want you guys to do is tweet out a picture of your uh, review for the show in iTunes before you send it out so that we know you're reviewing. And then that will put you on a random drawing list to get one or both of these two things, an EdTech weekly t-shirt and, or a mug. So we are, Woo-hoo! yeah, I'm excited about that myself. I'm just doing it for myself. Um, but yeah, so we want to give back. We know we've got some loyal listeners that have been there helping us get to our 10,000 download and uh, that's a really substantial mark. And there's podcasts that are uh, much more highly produced, <laughs> and that have a lot fewer than that. So hey, I'm I'm glad we're there. Um, so make sure you're following me at four tech teachers, the number four tech teachers, or follow at Christy M Warren because we'll make sure we put it out there with her tweet as well. And uh, you can, again, email us at edtechweekly at as well. Uh, listen, I'm not going to – if you reach out to us and show me that you've done a review in iTunes, um, and I'm going to be able to see it in iTunes as well with your username – We're going to put you on the list for the drawing and uh, up as many as five people could win, depending on the number of people who uh, get into this contest. So if we get a couple hundred in there, we'll send out five of these bad boys. Um, And uh, I'll also tweet out pictures of these uh, designs as we're moving forward. So again, really thank you guys for being with the show for a long time. I know a lot of you have been there from day one based on some of the emails that we get. Uh, we appreciate our community. Um, I'm sorry that we weren't able to be here the last few weeks. Uh, it really has just been a crazy whirlwind. Uh, hurricane, I had to evacuate. That took out two Thursdays. Uh, when I returned home, cleaning up uh, down trees, down fences. And then the next week, I had a really good friend had a stroke. She's doing great. Um, it was just a, like a, a warning, wake-up call kind of a situation. But man, it's just it's one of those things. And that was Thursday night that I went and visited her. So you know, we're doing our best, but I have a feeling we'll be good for a little while here and, and back on it. Um, so we're just excited to be back. I know I was talking to Christy before the show. We love doing the show. We really do. And we're happy to do it. Uh, we learn awesome. Even even if no one listened to us, we're learning stuff and we're keeping up with our passion, which is ed tech. And that's how I know some people uh, who are watching, listen to this really like it too, because it's just all about ed tech and that's what we love.
1: Well said. Good job
0: man, look at me, I'm gonna roll. Well said, you're agreeing with me. I mean, is it because we've been away so long? We haven't so been long? together for
1: a month, so you know, I've just missed you, and so.
0: Is it? Is it? Are you going back? Like, well, I better be nice because it's been a while. Is it one of those things where you have to get back into like maybe, your snarky maybe. comments about me being really bad at what I do? I mean, you throw those in there from time to time. Let's not pretend you don't.
1: Only when you don't hit record. <laughs> <laughs>
0: thanks alright everybody we appreciate you listening to the show and uh, we'll see you next time although that's the wrong one <laughs> we'll see you next time on tech Weekly <laughs> professionalism redefined